Welcome to Heat Street Radio. We're glad to have you join us in a special walkthrough of the OSHA.gov website led by expert safety consultant Rick Koletsky. This episode will help all of the U.S. heat treaters out there know how to use the website and find relevant standards, definitions, explanations, and more to make sure you're in compliance. Rick will also bring these navigation skills together in two heat treater case studies. So hang in to the end. Let's jump in. Welcome everyone to another episode of Heat Treat Radio. We are sitting down with Rick Koleski. He has a lot of experience with occupational safety as a consultant. So I'm going to throw it over to you, Rick, if you can tell our listeners and viewers a little bit more about yourself, your background, and anything else you want to tell us. Thank you. I've been in occupational safety. I could say safety and health, but I'm not an industrial hygienist. For 50 years, 5-0, I live in Connecticut, always have. The main parts of my career were 20 years with U.S. Department of Labor OSHA in Connecticut. As a compliance officer, I conducted hundreds of inspections. As assistant area director, and I was in that position quite a while, I assigned and reviewed thousands and held informal conferences, um, uh, that sort of thing. And on many days, I acted as area director, in other words, for the whole state, but still through the federal office. I've been on my own as a self-employed safety consultant for, um, well, this is my 30th year. And although I've done a wealth of inspections uh, in that uh, situation, I've pretty much gotten into now, in, in almost all cases, working for attorneys after there's a very serious uh, occupational injury and occasionally non-occupational, uh, a trip and fall in a mall, et cetera. A lot of those are pretty big cases and several fatalities. I've testified either by um, deposition or in court uh, more than 60 times. Uh, and I'll later mention a book that I, that I wrote. As a side note, I am one of the world's great Aliologists, one of the experts on Muhammad Ali, which has, oh, I don't know, little to do with our subject, but it's interesting because <laughs> the book I wrote about Ali is even better than the Ocean Book. Anybody who's tuning in, we're here with Rick to specifically navigate OSHA.gov. Um, Rick's going to bring us through. You're going to find this very helpful, but why don't I uh, share my screen, if that's all right with you, Rick, and pull up this website. While you're doing that, and it is OSHA.gov, it's important for everyone to know, please do not use COM, NET, or EDU. You'll get something else. I have the screen in front of me now, and this is United States Department of Labor, Occupational Safety and Health Administration. You all should see a red banner across the top. It's quite user-friendly. You can use it for many, many purposes. It's free. Well, why not use it? You can use it to find OSHA standards. You can use it to find directives and interpretations, which give you an idea of what are some special things about standards that do not appear in them. For instance, an interpretation is generally when Johnny Smith from the ABC company in Nebraska writes to OSHA and wants to know, regarding this standard, am I in violation if, or what are alternative means, et cetera, and OSHA will answer. But those answers are not in the standards, so there's some special things there. A directive is a similar thing that the National Office of OSHA 
communicates to its people in the field, mainly for compliance officers who do inspections, on how to view certain situations, how to look at what might be a violation or, or, or what is not. You can also use this site for tutorials, for finding publications, downloading them, printing them, certainly to find the records of companies, not their injury and illness record, but that is, when were they cited by OSHA for allegations of which particular standards? Roughly half the states, the federal government, US Department of Labor, kind of the well-known OSHA, they enforce the standards. Now, th there's a Nuclear Regulatory Commission, there's a, a railroad administration. There are a few things that aren't covered and people working absolutely alone, sole ownership. I don't just mean a sole corporation or sole ownership. I'm gonna pretty much move on from that quickly and just figure if you have an employer-employee relationship, barring some really, really unusual exceptions, some of which I just did, you're covered by OSHA. So let's get out of the way. If you figure we have a small family heat treating business of six people. Yeah, okay, you're in. Now, again, federal government. In about half the states, the federal government does the enforcing. In the other half, roughly, the state it could be Cal OSHA, as in California OSHA. They do the enforcing. Mm -hmm. A few states have even addressed standards and come up with rules, that is laws, that federal OSHA doesn't cover. That could be ergonomics, et cetera. As to what standards apply to you, in your case, if you're in a federal state, 29 CFR, which means Code of Federal Regulations, 1910 point, and then certain numbers refer to exits, some to powered industrial trucks or vehicles, some to, I'll say it again, a lockout tagout, some to personal protective equipment, some to ladders, etc. Some of the states, I know this is a little confusing, they do their own enforcing, and OSHA does keep an eye on them because they give them some money, use the exact same standards as OSHA, almost all of which for your type of fixed industry as opposed to construction or maritime is gonna be 1910 point. There are a few that begin with something like 1902 or three. Those are regulatory like injury, illness records and posters. Just about everything else is 1910. So that tells you a lot about standards. Well, under the red bar, Let's take a look where it says OSHA all the way on the left. Mm -hmm. About OSHA, find an OSHA office, state plans, etc. So find an OSHA office, I'm going to click on now. So this is offices by state, but this is, without me going too far in this, want to make good use of the time, you could find the different regions. I'll give you an example. Let's see how this comes up. In New England, which is Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Connecticut, Rhode Island. Let's try something here. I'm gonna hit, well, that's regional offices on your right, but let's say we hit Maine. In Maine, the state plan there is something else. There's a federal OSHA office in Augusta, Maine. They have a jurisdictional area. And then there's one in Bangor, Maine. 
you might have to figure out which one covers you, but that's not going to be too difficult to do. That would be the one that would, for instance, visit you for an enforcement inspection. Now, there, every state has a consultation program. You see that for Maine. That means, pardon me if this may be evident, but people wonder about this. If you want, and you're a relatively small company, I don't know what they're looking for now in size of company by people or profit or whatever. You can get the state to come in for free as long as you're not in the middle of an enforcement inspection. You could say, I don't want to pay a private consultant. Sometimes there's value in doing that too. The state comes in, they tell you what they think is wrong. And if you're concerned that they'll run back to federal OSHA, no, no. They know that would freeze your interest. So therefore, for the most part, and I'll explain what that means, they tell you what, it, as far as they can tell, what needs to be done where you'd be perhaps breaking the law. They give you a while to deal with it. There's no penalty. Will they run back to the enforcement people, whether it be the federal people or in a state plan state to the state enforcement people? Again, this takes a little thinking. They will not, dot, 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 unless you steadfastly refuse to correct something, even with extensions of time, you just say, I know that's serious, I'm not doing it. In theory, but this comes up about, oh, I don't know, almost never would they go to the enforcement people. So the consultation is a good idea. I'm gonna hit the left arrow and get out of that. And if you play around with the states, the consultation offices, the state plans, which actually means which states are the ones who do it, you'll find, you, you can find where you fit. Now I'm gonna hit the left arrow again. We're certainly not gonna look at every single thing on this site, but here's an important one. We're going over to, to standards and you see the arrow that points down. When you hit that, you see law and regulations. For now, let's try that. When we hit law and regulations on the left, there should be a column. And we're doing screen sharing here. This is a little different. Where it says general industry, construction, et cetera. Construction doesn't mean how your machine is made. Again, that's for the construction industry. So let's hit general industry. And I want to say one more time, these are the federal numbers for standards, but they often apply to states anyway. Okay. So now we got all kinds of stuff and they're not in alphabetical order. When you do have the standards at the end of them, pardon me for reaching there, you will find indexes, but you're gonna find specific standards here. I'll, I'll try to stop on a few and it's, it's, the screen is moving on me, but that's okay. It may be because of the way we're sharing. On the left, you'll see ladders and that goes back into 1910 point. And I just can't see that now, but it's in the 20s. There we go, it's coming down. So you'll see different kinds of ladders. And you've gotta know whether you're talking about a step ladder or an extension ladder or a fixed ladder. That doesn't mean fixed versus broken. That means attached. I'm just giving you examples, walking, working surfaces. Anything to do with fall protection is a big one. In your industry, because we're gonna to get to this later, that could mean even though fall protection is more of something you find in construction on top of a building, in your industry, you may have a mezzanine that doesn't have perimeter protection or a tie-off to a person. And sometimes you have somebody working on top of a furnace, uh, you know, uh, more than four feet high, 
And if, if that person isn't protected, there's a problem. Then there's a lot on exits. Then if we go all the way down, you'll find electrical and the powered industrial trucks and different kinds of chemicals and compressed gases, you will find a lot of things like that. Now, some of you may be wondering, where in these standards do I find heat treating? Well, it's possible those particular words are somewhere, but there is no particular section here just for heat treating. There are very, very, very few specific industries that have a section that is dedicated to them overriding or on top of the rest of this. But pretty much all of 1910 means whether whether you you make, as we do in Connecticut, we manufacture submarines or somewhere else they manufacture bowling balls, or you just have a store or a warehouse or an ice cream factory. Well, just about anything you see can apply. As we're going down, you can see welding. Now there's a point that says special industries around 1910.261, but, but you're not there. But just so you know what that means, like when it says pulp paper and paperboard mills, just about all the standards apply to them. But if you go in pulp paper and paperboard mills, there could be something that overrides the other stuff or that uses terms that are so specific to their industry that they really wanted to nail that, not just have it under, under machine guarding. So you have the, the basic concept here. Let's, let's try something because I want to show you something specific. So please, Bethany, move this up towards the lower numbers. 133 eye and face protection. I'm going to click on that. Now, when I click on that, you will see probably on your computer, just like mine, I have a Mac because it can make a difference. But in this case, I think it's just about everybody I've talked to has found the same thing. You will see that 133A is in blue. 133A1 is in blue. Please go down further. See 133A5 is in black. You see that, Bethany? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now that means I can't click on black. But I want to show you something that I alluded to before. I'll go up to 133A1, which is in blue, which means there's something else. Ah, this is what I really wanted to show you. See, it says standard interpretations. Now, there's other ways you could have done that by the general OSHA search bar interpretations or eye protection interpretations, perhaps. But here you're right in the standard. So when you hit standard interpretations, Mm -hmm. We see request to provide list of corrosive materials and concentrations requiring use of emergency eye washes and showers. So that's actually applies to another standard also. It's not just eye protection, it's the fountains. Let's just hit that where it says request to provide, please. Ah, so this is, as I said, like Johnny Smith from Nebraska happens to be Doug Page. We don't have to read the whole thing, but he wrote, it's got to either be in the body of this or at the bottom. You'll see it in the body, question, etc. He wrote to OSHA and said, well, so when do I need an eye fountain or eye protection or both? And OSHA wrote back and said, without me reading this whole thing, well, you know, there might be some twist. This isn't all encompassing. They may say something like that, but this is where we try to answer your questions. Many years ago, a heat treater comes to me and says, 
that their company got cited for a problem with dip tanks. Now this standard has been changed since. Dip tanks is an example when you read that standard, but it applies to others too. You should always see what the application and scope are. In at least some cases, it mentions that. Other times it's almost obvious. Does this apply to me? But in dip tanks, it does now or did get so specific that you got to have this kind of substance. And this is only if dip tanks have so much volume or so much surface area, et cetera. Well, they got cited for a few things. So I very slowly and clearly, not in a condescending manner, to help educate myself, I said, let's look at the standard, not just the way it applied, was shown on the citation, but the complete write-up of the standard. Okay, is your dip tank this size or bigger? Yes. Does it have this much stuff in it? Yeah. Is it flammable? Yeah. I said, well, they got you. You're going to have to do what it says. And they said, but Rick, we're not even concerned about this penalty, but to correct that is going to cost us I mean, they were given some high numbers, like well over $100,000 because of permits and where do you put it outside? And I said, I don't know what I can do for you. They said, do something. So I found an interpretation or directive, which did not get added to the standard though, that basically indicates an answer, an alternative abatement, an alternative correction to what would be more or less what I said not even all the compliance officers get to remember these things. And it said, here's another way you can do it as long as you also have a written plan and you have redundant extinguishing automatically, even though that in itself is not required by a standard. If you do these special things, don't sweat the reservoir. I went into the office with him in Massachusetts and even the assistant area director said, what are you showing me? I'll get back to you. And he looked it up and he got back and said, well, the citation stands, but abatement will be considered uh, complied with if you just do this other thing, which is a lot easier. And according to this company, it, it saved them tens and tens and tens of thousands. So mm -hmm. you do need to know where that kind of thing is. Now, before I go too much further on the standards, but I mentioned application and scope, don't forget to look at definitions. Sometimes very close to a particular standard, it'll literally say definitions. Other times at the beginning of a subpart that has sets of standards, and this is not as, this is not as complicated as you might think. You'll see this when you go in. It might have the definitions up front. So somebody might say, well, aren't most things obvious? Just to give you an example, in the world of OSHA, a hole and an opening are not necessarily the same. Whereas in English, we kind of throw them around. So sometimes whether you have to do something or whether you supposedly violate a standard, it has to do with the, the definitions. And you'll also see exceptions sometimes, not ACK, but E-X-C-E-P-T-I-O-N-S. You will see, you have to do this and this unless you did this. And one more thing on that, because I do it myself. Got to read carefully. It may say to comply with this standard or it'll similar words, you have to do blank, blank, blank. But sometimes it'll say blank and blank and blank. Sometimes it'll indicate blank or blank or blank. And that stuff is critical. Topics is the next one. 
Okay. Topics. Make the, there it is. It's got certain, not all topics, but you can also see that to the right above that, there's a search OSHA where you could just use keywords. But I also want to indicate there's an A to Z index, which is under the red banner between FAQ and English. That's another way to do it. We'll get to that in a minute. Help and resources, stuff you can see there, but you don't necessarily have to go into it this way. There's different ways to go into it. But I do want to try news now, which is to the right of help and resources. News, there it is, bingo. Okay, for a start, because I saw one today that was interesting and I didn't look for heat treating, it's just not gonna come up every day. Let's see if it's here, because I received it separately by a service, so to speak, by OSHA service. News releases, I'm gonna hit news releases. I'm gonna hit 2022, which is in that right column, see that? Bingo. Then I'm going to hit March. Let's see if it shows what came to me by another OSHA thing. Look at that first one. Yeah, click click on it. OSHA national news release. So you got an auto March part 9th. itself. Now that doesn't mean that they heat treated the auto parts. This is a seller, but the point is they got a bill for $1.2 million. Are they going to argue that? Sure. I understand they're going to argue it. I just want you to know there's some serious penalties out there. This is not your everyday one, but the penalties went up again in January of 2022. That is the maximum allowable for OSHA to cite under different categories. Now I'm gonna hit the left arrow near the top because we wanna to go to one of the important things right now. There's a few ways to do this. I'm gonna make it easy. On the right under the red banner, see where it says A to Z index. Mm -hmm. Bingo. Now there are publications under there for P. You don't have to get them sent to you and they print less. Now they want you to download them more. They're in English, they're in Spanish. They're not all encompassing. They might say that this is not a substitute for a standard. There's other things under there, but there's something I really want to show everybody in the A to Z list. So I'm going to go up to the D. You can do this a few ways. I'll just hit the D although there it is, where it says data and statistics. All right, now where it says establishment search on the left, do not hit that yet, please. Establishment search means a particular company and specifically where they are, where OSHA visited. It doesn't matter if corporate was in another state or something like that. So before we go out of that, before we go to that, if you come down, you see things like search, search inspections by NAICS, which actually stands for North American Industry Classification System. Shows that near the bottom of this list. A SIC code, SIC, is a standard industrial classification. What does that gibberish mean? Here's what it means. Every company, not just that specific company, but whatever their business is, the government has given them a sick number. But the government likes to use now, the federal government, an NAICS number, not just for Johnny's heat treat. Metal treating is generally 332811. And you, you could find that with keywords on the left without me telling you, but I'll show you where else, 332811. Now, everybody who makes pillows, I'm completely making this up, could be a 35062. 
everybody who is primarily a septic tank service is a 17682 and every department store is a 48605. When the government does that, it could start to get close to figuring out in what industries there's the most problems of certain sorts. And you could find here on this left, particularly where it says frequently cited OSHA standards, you could find out in your type of business what is most commonly found. But here's a major caution in your particular business. There are certain kinds of factories that are all over the place, certain kinds of warehouses and stores. OSHA is shorthanded and in the particular coding for not, I'm not talking about related industries, but pretty much metal treating and heat treating, the, the sampling for a year isn't that large. The population in, isn't that large. So when you see that, it could be skewed. OSHA might have only gone into a few pages, places. It's still a nice touch. But even if you cut, try to do this for various years, if you could pull that out of here, please understand, they may find other things in your place. They darn well might find other things. Now let's go to establishment search. And I got ahead on this so I could give you an example. See where it says establishment. I'm not picking on anybody. As a matter of fact, I found a couple companies that don't have a lot of stuff and nobody should be embarrassed or anything like that. What I picked up, I believe, we don't even have any willful violations alleged or repeated or failure to abate, which means failure to correct. In fact, the two examples I'm gonna give you, you're not gonna see many things cited. And I will brag to say, and I've been in heat treating places all over the country, I would have found more, no question. But this will show, show you how it works. At this point, we type the name of a company into the search engine and began reviewing what other items one ought to refine when searching company records. Now you see where it says 2017 to 2022. We can open that up. That's a default five years. I would not open it up more than 10 years. I would not go back another five for this reason. The last time I looked, I could change this anytime. This system, not my, not my computer, has a problem with large bytes. So if you're looking for 40 years, or you could probably find that information available, don't try it, please, in a 40-year byte. It doesn't understand. It gets indigestion sometimes. I wouldn't try more than 10 years at once. Now hit submit on the bottom left. We're seeing the results load. Uh, we type the general name of the company versus the exact name. So various results are being displayed along the right column. You don't necessarily have to put every single word. In fact, if you put every single word, if it's Bing Bing of North America, et cetera, the, the OSHA compliance officer may have heard it or put it down differently because that's what he was told and therefore it might not show that. What you do have to be careful with, particularly if a company has a DBA or an initial, initials, I should say, or spaces in their name between letters or periods, you may have to try it one more time because although I generally laud this site, it's cross-referencing isn't quite as good as you might think. So if you look on the left and you come down to number seven, mm -hmm. first we'll look across. The OSHA inspection started September 13th. Forget RID. 
apparently this was Missouri, if I got the right one in front of me here. Mm -hmm. It was a planned inspection. It wasn't by way of complaint or referral. We, we don't need to do a whole tutorial. We'd be talking about another half hour, depending on how far I get. It does tell me it was theoretically a complete inspection because the SC above it means scope. So OSHA, in theory, did not go in to just look at where something bad happened or just look at a very particular area of concentration that OSHA was doing a priority on. It gives that NAICS of 332811. It indicates three violations. It was mainly safety. This is on the left, that's under ownership. A safety person could find a little something with industrial hygiene or vice versa, but that wasn't their main reason they were in. The safety person might've wondered about some hygiene stuff and did an intra-office referral, a hygienist could come in later. There was a closing conference in October. The case closed in January of 2020. So violation summary. Initially, OSHA indicated the only confusion here, and I can't help this, is they group citations sometimes. So you may wonder, how can that say three or one, but below it looks like you see more. And I'll explain how they, they group some items but overall may call that one item. So originally OSHA found what they alleged to be three serious violations, see initial violations, total three. But something happened where it was either contested or they made a deal with the OSHA office. They went in and said, look, we'll be good. It's a mistake, here are the extra things that happened. Or, you know, you're wrong OSHA. Can we work it out that way? Can you fix this? So they had an informal settlement agreement. Another subject that, you know, that's another uh, one of these podcasts or whatever this thing is here. The initial penalty was 26 grand. It was cut to five to 7,000. All right, now we look below. This is what you really need to see. The way it stands now is this. OSHA doesn't usually have that many others. It's usually a lot of serious but they made a deal with the company. The most important thing here is you don't have willful, failure to abate or repeated. Those have a stigma to them. And those dollar amounts could be things you don't wanna get involved in. So in the end, here's what the IT people in DC should fix. Under standard, you see something that looks like, what, what is that? Is that 19 million or 1,900,000? Mil, no, no, no. They should fix this. 1910.28, B in parentheses, three in parentheses, double I in parentheses. Mm -hmm. If a person doesn't understand, if they don't have experience with OSHA, they can say, what the hell is BO3, et cetera? What is 1,900,000? It means 1910 point. It means the current penalty is, is nothing, even though the initial was more, by informal settlement agreement, and it explains it. They then group two things. Now, what is the 28? We could look it up, but it has something to do with fall protection. That's just like automatic. 178, two things to do with powered industrial vehicles, probably meaning fork trucks or something similar. 219, it has to do with power transmission equipment, belts, chains, gears, et cetera. That's how this works. You can look up any company. 
you, and to see how the, your competitors are doing, to really find out what your history was with OSHA. Now, at this point, Rick had one more important principle to underline. So we went back to the establishment search and searched another company and started scrolling through those results. We got some dates here. They had a, an initial penalty of 50,000, a current penalty of 16,000. That's just on serious. Then they had some other things changed. The penalty went from 50 to 20. I do not want to leave the impression, and this should be on the air, that you walk into an OSHA office, particularly in 2022, and you say, we're sorry, can you take 30,000 off? Don't bet on it. You better have a darn good reason to say we really should have a break. You shouldn't decide as far or there were mitigating circumstances you didn't know about, or we really would appreciate, don't call this a repeated, call this a serious. Why? Because it really was something, you gotta have something to say. In mm -hmm. one case here, I picked this one out because this is different than the other company. You see deleted for number two. So OSHA completely took out that 132A that way. They left off this personal protection one. Now, sometimes they take one out and they add one. So this company was cited for 1910-28 and change. That is 28B1I, something to do with fall protection. 132A, that's not there anymore though. Personal protection, 147 is lockout tagout. 215 is abrasive wheel machinery, usually meaning a grinder. And 219 is power transmission equipment. All this was dealt with by an informal settlement agreement before the, the company did not contest. It was done by a deal with the office. So there's not much we miss now, but I do want to say one more thing. Because this is a computer thing and I'm not a techie guy. This applies not just to OSHA, it applies to other things, but it works well here. If you pull up on some computers, you hold down control and you hit F and you put that word in there. And I know that a lot of you may know that. On my computer, I would put down command F and I could, I could shoot all the way to that word. Or in some cases, if I'm under ladders, but I'm not interested in step ladders. All I'm interested in is fixed ladders, the one that might be secured to a wall and then goes up to the roof through a hatch. Once you're in ladders, you know, we, we, you know, we're sure we'll try that now. Go ahead. I mean, you're going to hit it for me, I guess, 23. Yeah. And pardon me, the only reason I'm talking quickly, I, I could talk really slowly, but I know that this takes a lot of time. So let's try some, see if we can do it simultaneously or you do it. I'm going to put on my computer command F. Can I do it on mine? Yeah. So now I'm going to put the word fixed F I X E D. Because although you might be interested in a lot, all you want to know is besides overall stuff with ladders, is there stuff really particular to those fixed ladders? And there it is on my computer, and I guess you see it too. As you advance this by returns, it'll take you specifically where it says, if this is a fixed ladder on top of any everything else or overriding everything else is you got to do this. You can see that now, I gather? Yeah, yeah. Fixed okay. ladder wrongs, fixed ladders. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you, you could find it that way. When I first learned this, and it actually happened to be after talking to an OSHA IT guy, 
many, many years ago. And then I realized you can do this for the vast majority of documents that you'll run into on a computer. Man, this could, could save you stuff. If you look at the uh, standard and the way it was formed in the beginning by the rule, what they call the rulemaking process, or when it was a proposed standard, and it could be dozens of pages long, you know, where did this come from, this standard, where it really gets to the heart of the matter? You may not want to read 80 pages. So you just pushed, you know, you just pushed fixed, not just in a standard, but in a greater document. And man, you can get to these things in a hurry. So now I'll try to push, if we can, with that left arrow on the top, although I don't see it yet, it'll be there. All right, left arrow on the top. And we're back to the main site. Is there something else at the moment without me reading all my notes that you'd like me to hit or does it appear? And I know some of these words now you may not have on the video. Is there something else you would want me to hit in this OSHA.gov? No, but I know, but I think that this is really important for heaters out there. If you know you're being cited for something or if you're interested in like Rick's been saying, if you're interested to see what type of standards might be pertinent to you. And to be honest, for the heat treat industry, it's gonna be, it's not that particular, but you might find that there are things that you do repeatedly, if it's fixed ladders, if it's high places that you need to know about, um, if get working on top of a big furnace. This is how you navigate that's this the one. Pardon me. You just hit it and you'll see something there perhaps about when you get off a fixed ladder at that kind of height, the grab rails have to extend a certain number of feet, etc. And let me, if I may, add something. And I know that we'll build in a little later. It's not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. I'm self-employed. My phone number, a landline, please, I don't even, don't, I'm not even going to give anyone a cell number. I don't like texting. My landline in Connecticut is 203, that's 203-393-1233. 3931233. Two things I want to say. It's one thing if you call me, someone calls me, and we're going to go on for an hour or so. You know, then somewhere along the line, I would tell you what I'm going to charge. However, as kind of a special heat treat uh, for your for the organization we're involved with now, any of you want to call me and just say, Rick, this was this isn't going to take too long. I can't, I don't know where to find this. I don't know where to navigate. What did you mean about this? No charge. Just call me and ask me, you know, if it's not too long, done. We'll take care of it right up front. Nice. Thank what you. What else can I tell you? Yeah, well, um, if there is an email address, I don't know if it would or a website that they I'll can give go you that. to. Yeah. I have yeah. no website. I don't want one. Mm -hmm. My email address is rkaletsky at gmail.com and I'll slow down. One word, r-k-a-l-e-t-s-k-y at gmail.com. But since we got that far, let me say this. I know there's a reason you might want to email me to, that is an employer would. So you're setting the table for what is it you want to know. But in the end, most important thing is going to be the phone. Because there's times I get an email. This is all kinds of situations. Companies, organizations, attorneys, and they'll say something like, well, when's a good time to talk next week? If you called me now, I'd either say, if you can't talk now, let's set it up right now. I'm not going to do an Excel sheet and send you what blocks I'm available. 
I can maybe give you the answer right now, or you want to do it tomorrow, we'll have a conversation. To have a lot of back and forth in emails, well, thank you, Rick, but what I meant was, well, if we're on the phone, we take care of it. Efficiency, efficiency. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if there's anything I've learned about Rick in the in this past time that I, we've been able to talk is you like to get things done now and, you know, and you're helpful. And so anybody's listening, please take advantage. This is really great of Rick um, to be offering this to us. And uh, yeah, give him a call. Uh, he's, he's a great explainer, great teacher, um, but also has a wealth of knowledge. So, um, yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I, I appreciate the opportunity to do this. I hope it's helpful. And is there something else you'd like to touch on at the moment? There's nothing else, Rick, but thank you for joining us today on the podcast. We hope it's been really beneficial to our listeners. I, I know that they really appreciate getting the walkthrough. We hope you enjoyed listening to today's episode with Rick Koletsky. Heat Treat Radio is on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Podbean, and the website www.heatreattoday.com forward slash radio. If you'd like to get in contact with Rick, feel free to give him a call and let him know Heat Treat Today sent you. His phone number is 203-393-1233 and his email is rkoletsky at gmail.com. He also recently finished a book on how a company should prepare for an ocean inspection and how to respond to the results of an ocean inspection. This book addresses safety management for loss prevention and compliance. It also dives into practical and in-depth issues and examples that are geared towards maintaining a safer and more healthful work environment, and it delves into creative approaches on how to address occupational safety beyond the standard. If you found today's episode helpful, go out and grab this third edition published by the National Safety Council for your heat treat shop so that you have an easy-to-access tool to mark up and bookmark. If you have any further questions about this episode or want to get in contact with Rick through me, my email is bethany at heatreattoday.com. Do you have a new or interesting idea that you want to hear discussed on Heat Treat Radio? If so, let me know. Also, if you'd like to sponsor a future episode, let me know at bethany at heatreattoday.com. Rick is a Heat Treat consultant, and you can get to know him or other Heat Treat consultants if you are looking for someone to help you with addressing your marketing, metallurgy, or business needs. This and every other episode of Heat Treat Radio is a sole property of Heat Treat Today and may not be reproduced in part or in whole without advanced written permission from Heat Treat Today. And I'm Bethany Leon. Thank you for listening.